Welcome to Making Your Impact, a podcast to inspire and equip you to pursue your calling and make your positive impact on the world. I'm your host, Melissa Ike. I have a passion for making an impact, and I also have a passion for helping you make yours. So let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Making Your Impact. Thank you so much for joining me today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Melissa Ike. I am a co-founder and the director of communications and development for the Dragonfly Home, a nonprofit in Oklahoma City that serves survivors of human trafficking. I'm also a writer, speaker, and attorney, and you can learn more about me at melissaike.com. That's melissaeick.com. On today's episode, I interview a two-time former intern of mine, Laura Orwig. She's basically committed her studies and her entire career, her whole life, to making her impact. And so I invited her on the podcast to share the story of her journey so far. Also coming up at the end is one of our regular features, the Leslie Nope Corner. But before we dive into all that, it's time for our Instagram shout out. This week's shout out goes out to Neil Olmstead at M. Neil O, M-N-E-A-L-O. Neil is a fellow member of the Yukon Writer Society and has followed the podcast Instagram for a while now. So I just wanted to say thank you for following Neil. And if you would like a shout out, just follow the podcast Instagram at Making Your Impact, and I might just give you a shout out on the show. So today's guest, Laura Orwig, first interned for me in spring 2016 when she was a senior in college earning her degree in communications. Then three years later, she found herself in a unique position that we'll discuss in our conversation, and she was needing some professional experience after earning her MBA. And I found myself in the position of really needing an intern And so we got to work together again, and she was just an enormous blessing. She's very smart and a super hard worker and just honestly great to be around. So for anyone listening who has faced the issue of being super passionate about a particular cause, but maybe isn't sure exactly how to find their way into it, I think Laura's story will hopefully speak to you. She's really a great example of someone who didn't give up when she didn't find her way in immediately into the specific cause she was super passionate about. But what she did instead in the meantime was she placed huge value on continuing to learn and grow in her uh, knowledge about that topic as much as she could and offer whatever she was able to, to just help how she could. And eventually that commitment has paid off and I really believe it will continue to pay off for her. So Without further ado, here is my conversation with Laura Orwig. I know that you have been very cause-minded since you were a kid. Yeah, pretty much. I think I've always been very like black and white about how I feel about things, which can lead me to have very strong feelings about causes right. <laughs> one way or another. I remember... So obviously, there's been like an evolution of causes that I've been interested in. So I remember one of the first things that I really cared a lot about when I was a kid was picking up trash because it would make me so mad. Why do they do that? I know, right? On like family vacations and stuff, we'd all be at the beach and I'd be like walking around with trash bags to pick stuff up. (laughs) On vacation, why not? Very cool. So like I was saying, you had told me this story before about 
how you got interested in human trafficking. You were pretty young for that topic as well. Yeah, so I think the main thing that got me interested was in college, my freshman year. And I think before that, just human rights in general had been like a really big thing for me and just discovering where there were injustices and what those are. But in college for me, freshman year is when human trafficking became like a really, a real thing to me. Do you remember like what the circumstances were? Like I remember where I was and what I was doing the first time I learned about human trafficking. I don't remember the first moment I heard about it, but I do remember like that moment that had that eye-opening moment for me. I was sitting in chapel at ORU when that happened for me at a worship night, I think. And that was actually a really tough semester for me. So it was good to get some kind of clarity as to where my life was going and what I was doing with it. Because really, like, I knew what I enjoyed doing and was studying communications because I liked the creative aspect, but I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, like, with that. So that really helped. Okay, interesting. You had a speaker or something? Yeah, we did. So we had an event... I don't remember the nonprofit's name, but they came to the school and did just like a small evening session on uh, human trafficking. I believe there's like a short video showing and I just talked to the, the employees afterward. And that was, I know, one of the first times that I had heard about it and it like really became a thing for me. Right. And so I remember... I know not everyone is a Christian, but I remember, so I attended a Christian university, and I very clearly felt like I heard God telling me that I needed to be in the anti-trafficking field, and that's what I was going to do with my life, and I don't think I knew, like, I didn't know really anything about it, like, at all, but then from that point, that shaped the rest of, like, my college career, and pretty much everything I've done since then, career-wise, but obviously, it's a big topic with a lot of learning. So that's kind of a nonstop process. So what were some of the first things that you did? I met you when you were a junior. So what kind of things were you doing before that? Or senior. So, I met you when you were a senior. Okay, my intern. That was one of the first, like, close-up uh, organization experiences I had. Yeah, other than just like learning as much as I could throughout college and just trying to be a part of that process, that was the first big step, I think. And that was a lot, just starting even with training and like learning all the things. (laughs) So when you were in the midst of doing your internship, I don't know, like what did that feel like? Did Did you feel like you could see yourself doing that kind of thing to affect human trafficking or... I don't know, just what, what were your feelings about it, taking those first steps? Yeah, I feel like it was empowering in a way that I was gaining all of this knowledge and information that I hadn't previously had so that I could be an advocate that actually knew what she was talking about. <laughs> so that I think that was really helpful. And then just also kind of trying out and seeing, like, can I see myself doing this in the future? And is this something that I can handle? I think that was really helpful. Obviously not doing only like social media or whatever going forward with it, but just experiencing that whole like realm of a very unique form of nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that you were a huge help to me. I remember you were a great intern. Thank you. Which is why I brought you back as an intern later on. (laughs) Round two. (laughs) You've had quite, you've had like a, some ways, a non-traditional life journey, one might say. So right after you graduated from undergrad is when you went to grad school, right? At ORU? Yes. And remind me what your major was there. 
So I got my MBA, but in nonprofit management as a concentration. Okay. And how did that, so that you pursued a very impact-making career path study program. How do you think that that prepared you for potentially, presumably, a lifetime of making a difference? Yeah, so I think by that point, I pretty much had the understanding of the creative side of an organization. And then by then, I am hoping in the future to either work closely with or maybe start my own nonprofit. And so just getting that business understanding and how all of it works and how things are run, I think was really important. Even taxes and accounting and all the things that I don't really enjoy, (laughs) but are still still really important. And then all the while still attending any like webinar or conference or anything that I could on human trafficking. So trying to make relationships with organizations here in Tulsa and then back home in Waco as well. And also like preparing for a job after school, right? So yeah, I think the grad degree was really helpful in like rounding my knowledge out some. Mm -hmm. So I'm not so one-sided. Well, I think that a lot of people who start nonprofits don't think about the tax aspect when in fact, I mean, even coming at it as an attorney, it's like the whole thing about a nonprofit is that it's tax exempt. It's all under like IRS code. (laughs) And I feel like people don't necessarily think about that part of it when going in and it can get kind of complicated. So to have that training under your belt is hugely helpful. Yeah. And that by far was more, more difficult for me than the um, communication side, just because I was using like finance and things that I had never really had to study in an arts degree. (laughs) That was an adventure for sure. Yeah. So I feel like that must really make a difference for the job that you have now. And I feel like the job you have now also is good preparation for working with non other nonprofits someday. Do you want to talk about what you do at the moment? Yeah. So I work with a nonprofit consulting firm called Right on Fundraising. And primarily we provide fundraising services to nonprofits. And that may be through grant writing or annual funds or capital campaigns. But I provide support to the grants team, which is through writing and proofreading, as well as making submissions of grants. And then I also run the communications of our organization. So that's our social media and our website and all of that fun stuff. Although we are not a nonprofit organization, we serve, I wouldn't say like 15 clients right now. So I still feel that I am very involved in the nonprofit industry. And although not serving one mission, I feel happy and lucky that I get to serve multiple missions by trying to earn them more money or more recognition online. So that's exciting because at first when I was looking for a job, I was like dead set on only being in a nonprofit. And as you guys may know, it is sometimes difficult to find a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I did have some opportunities there, but this one ended up working out really well. So I really loved it so far and it has been fun. It's like you get to make a difference for a whole bunch of different causes this way. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, so it's funny because I'm communications and development. You are my intern in communications and development. And now you have a job in communications and development. And I'm like, I'm so proud. <laughs> Um, but also grant writing, man, if you're doing future work in nonprofits, it's a huge part of it. So that that is the fact that that will not be intimidating for you and you'll know how to do it and do it well. Yeah. That's a hugely important skill. I guess I can back up and say, so I wanted to talk about 
also your big trip that you took that you might be continuing in the mm -hmm. near future. Who even knows? Yeah. So you married to Jonathan, an A plus dude, and yeah. <laughs> and you guys embarked on a journey a year and a half ago. Yes, um, we left. Well, we left in May of 2018, right after I graduated from grad school. We were kind of like okay, what now? Like, what are we doing with our lives? And where do we want to live? Mm -hmm. So at the time, I think Jonathan just randomly threw out the idea. He's like, why don't we just buy an RV and we can just like go wherever and figure it out. And I think he underestimated the fact that I like would really <laughs> take hold to that. Yeah. So after that, I was on Craigslist like every day looking at these old RVs that we could afford, which I mean, I'm just out of grad school. So it's not like there were these awesome, huge, ridiculous rigs, but we finally found one in Waco, which is my hometown, is a 97, so she is old and grandma style, and we named her Jolene. <laughs> but we went through this journey of first renovating Jolene because, like I said, she was grandma style. And then- Are you saying that people who are from 1997 are grandmas? I mean, I'm just, I take umbrage with that. I'm, I'm definitely, I mean, I'm older than that too, obviously. Right? But, just, um, talking about but, RVs. Just different category. Okay, proceed. So it's like green floral print everywhere. It's ugly. It was real ugly. I can, you know, show you pictures if you want, but it was bad. I remember your photos. You did photos uh, like on Instagram of your reno. Yeah. So I would not recommend design from the RV era of 1997. <laughs> it's not good. Okay. Yeah, so we made it a little more modern um, as much as we could for a 20-something-year-old camper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We did that and then we moved into it and took off on a year-long trip. So basically, we went up to the Northeast and saw my friend was getting married. We did that and kind of just wandered around for a year. We ended up hitting 38 states and we we're hoping to finish, but we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah, right. You went to the, you made it to the furthest out states except for Alaska. In the continental right. U.S., you made it to the furthest out states. We did, yeah. We did pretty much everything except just north of Oklahoma, actually, which we've been to most of those states, but not in the RV. So that was not checking off the list. I think we need to do like Wyoming. When we tried to go over there, it was completely snowed in. So that'll have to be a summer state. So at, during that year, you came back to Oklahoma for Christmas. Well, you were headed back to Waco for Christmas mm -hmm. by way of Oklahoma. So I... I think you reached out to me. I can't remember. And we had, we were just maybe six months into our newer location at Dragonfly, mm -hmm. but we hadn't expanded to the top floor yet. Yeah. It was just the bottom floor at that point. And so you came over and I got to show you the place and you were telling me about your journey and how it was rewarding, but you were like, I'm going to have this gap on my resume. And I was like, I got an idea. I want to be my intern on the road. And that worked out very well, actually. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it worked out for me. I'll say that. <laughs> you did all kinds of great stuff for me. You, you helped me implement some different things like on social media, for one, that I've been able to continue carrying out with future interns. And what's mm -hmm. been awesome is that I can direct them to the work you did. And they might change it up a little bit just, you know, for something that's a little bit newer, but they can go back to the work you did. And I'm like, just look at this stuff. And I know that it's going to be good. And it has worked every time they're able to kind 
kind of pull from that. You helped me because I hadn't, I had not really had an intern program at that point because everything is crazy when you're starting a nonprofit. And so to implement things like that just takes time. And so I had your very gracious attitude and your kind, hardworking attitude while I kind of figured that out and work. And because you were, you know, all across, let's see, you were mainly in the West Coast area working with me. And I was able to figure out how to have like a work plan sort of for someone who wasn't with me all the time. Mm -hmm. And the great thing was then right after your internship ended, I got a new intern for the summer through a program that actually paid her to be an intern for us for 40 hours a week. Wow. Yeah. So, and she was, she was great. You two would like each other very much. I know you would. And so I had to figure out a way to get work together for her to do so that I wasn't just always hovering or trying to come up with stuff. And Mm -hmm. so having had you as an intern kind of set me up for building on that program for her. Um, So you were super helpful in so many ways. And I'm like, well, you know, at least it was something on your, on your resume. Yeah. And I definitely, it was helpful for me. Well, one, in the fact that I just love you guys and love Dragonfly. So it's just nice to get to be a part of that. And then to just in building my resume and my portfolio, mm-hmm. I think it was very helpful to not have a random gap year because even in just those months, whenever I was applying for jobs, I was looking at that and being like, Oh, I hope people don't ask me. But in some ways too, like the RV trip has been helpful. It depends on the employer, right? Because oh, right. Um, appreciate your ability to adapt and work in maybe crazy situations. And some want you to, to be very stable (laughs) and normal probably. But yeah, I think it was really nice also just to have something to work on because at the time I I had looked for jobs that were remote, um, but I was having a hard time finding that and getting to have something to do that was purposeful was really nice because at the time too, Jonathan, I mean, he was working a full week. So I'd be sitting around the camper being like, well, I wish I could do something helpful. So I think it, it fulfilled both of our needs. <laughs> nice. That, that's an ideal internship relationship right there, right? Also, I always, I always tell people this story. I'm like, you're, we're having a Zoom meeting at some point uh, that spring, and I knew you were in your car. And I'm like, oh, where are you guys now? And you were in oh, some national park. Heck yeah, there's a waterfall over there. I'm like, oh, turn around to your computer and show me. <laughs> you pull around, and you're doing your work by this like magnificent vista of a mountain and this gushing waterfall. And I'm like, are you kidding me with this right now? Really? This is unfair. If anything, I should at least come out there and meet you so we can work by the waterfall together. But that was, that's right. not. Well, that's great because one thing we didn't mention about your current job is that it is also working remote, remotely. So actually, so for them, that would have, for them, that would have been like a positive that you had a remote internship. Right. Yeah. So that I can kind of somewhat manage myself and um, not be asking a billion questions, hopefully. Right. And that was really good practice for me with the internship with you is to be able to work remotely, especially in a very unstable environment, at least like as I'm working now at home, I'm like in the same place and I have internet every day and that's fine. Right. (laughs) But with you, that was not necessarily the case always. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) It was good for me to kind of figure out how to do that because I didn't have any experience with remote work prior. 
right? No, I definitely would have described you as someone who's a self-starter and good at managing your own time. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite memories too was we did a like six hour, maybe six or seven hour live stream February 1st of that year to launch our monthly donor campaign. And it was kind of a, kind of a trial. It's something that I had been wanting to do for years and I want to do more, but we just kind of gave it a shot and it actually got a quite a bit of viewership. I was impressed with our followers, but one thing I wanted to do that was also a promo for a Galentine's event that we were having like a week later as I wanted to have some friends of Dragonfly and we would make Galentine's for each other. And I got one friend from here who I, oh, I was actually just speaking with her earlier. Oh yeah, you know her. It was Janie. Yeah, you totally met Janie. That's who I was talking with earlier. I forgot that you met each other, quote unquote. Yeah. So she was there with me in person. And where were you at that point? February? I, think I was in, I think I was in New Mexico. Okay. That's what I remember. Because I feel like I remember this actually happening and being in some RV park over there. Okay. We streamed from my phone, I think, and I had you on my computer. So you were facing my phone and Janie sitting there and you and Janie just chatted like you were old friends and made all made Galentine's for each other. I still have the, you, you colored a thing for me, uh, for Galentine's day. I still yeah. own that. I still have it somewhere. I think I have it in my card box where I put special cards and, and I think Janie made yours and she wrote something about like your glorious hair and smile. Because that's something Janie would say. Oh, yes. It made me very happy. So oh, good. good Galentine. <laughs> that was fun. That right there is being adaptable in a situation. Yeah, for sure. Being an yeah, adaptable. You're so connected when you're like away from everyone too. <laughs> yeah, you are a part of it. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything that is on your mind that you want to add? I mean, just the fact that I'm thankful for you and like other people who have been there to kind of guide me and this journey as like figuring out what I'm doing with my life and where that falls. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because there's so much to learn and there are people who have done it before me now and know so much more. So I'm really thankful to have that support system of really encouraging awesome people who also help me find jobs. Right. <laughs> so that's been invaluable. So um, thank you. we're thankful for you as well. And so, oh, I guess we can't really talk. I was going to say also about your coffee shop, but I can't talk about your coffee shop yet, right? Because it's not, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> you don't care? Really? No. Okay, yeah. then I want to ask you about it. I know you have some interesting, fun opportunities coming up, perhaps, in the future. This is an exclusive. <laughs> an exclusive, yes. No one else has heard it. <laughs> So potentially, or more than potentially, <laughs> we will be moving back to Waco, which is my hometown. And my mom and I are looking to start a coffee and pie shop. Yeah. Freaking cute. Okay. Um, I'm really excited. I think it will be a ton of fun. Just in the fact that, first of all, coffee and pie, I mean, those are great things. It's a winning combo. Right. And then also just being able to like have a cozy place where people can come hang out and enjoy their day. And, I think that would be a lot of fun, especially with my mom too. Yeah. Well, okay. So now think about though, all those classes in accounting and stuff going to come in handy for a for-profit business right. as well. So I started our business plan and I was like, 
I'm really glad I have experience in this because this can be really overwhelming. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. And you know how to promote it. Man, you know how to do it start to finish. Probably not 100%, but I will do my best. <laughs> okay. Well, no one can do it 100%. I'm going to give you a 96%, though, um, and that's still an A. That's an A. That sounds great. Right. Okay, good, good, good. So this was actually, so since I talked to you two days ago, I have been wondering about this. Do you think that you and your mom will try to do anything kind of like mission-oriented, like business is mission kind of deal? Yeah. So if at the least, I know it's on my mom's heart too, to support some organization of our choice, which we will see what that ends up being. But I know ever since I was, I've been involved with the anti-trafficking movement. She has become very, very passionate about it as well. And so I think that that will probably be a big part of it, whether it be just like a portion of profit or something like that. I know she also really wants to create a space that will be kind of like a second home for people and somewhere that they can feel um, safe and cozy and just allow a positive atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So I know that's really big on her heart and I'm not quite sure what all we'll need to do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But even if it's just, I mean, us being there and being welcoming people, I think that's a good start. For sure. I think that you can create community there. You can have access to resources or resource referrals there. Just you'll gain a reputation for being a safe space for people. I believe it. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Oh boy. Well, I guess that's it. I just wanted to sh you to share some of your story. You're the kind of young woman with the kind of heart and drive that just we need more of in this world. And I sure wish you lived in Oklahoma City, but okay. Tulsa, Waco, whatever. I'm not holding it against you. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I can hop around. <laughs> you do kind of, that's true. That's true. But yeah, you've been a blessing and so... Yeah, just thank you for coming on and just talking about what's going on in your life. It'll, I know that there's going to be people who are listening to this that take inspiration, that need to hear some part of your story. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I, for one, am looking forward to seeing how Laura's plans for her future endeavors turn out. I'm glad that I still get to be in touch with her so I can get the inside scoop on how everything ends up going. So thank you again to Laura for coming on the podcast and offering your story and sharing about your challenges and your journey so far. Now it's time for one of the Making Your Impact podcast regular features. It's the Leslie Nope Corner. In the Leslie Nope Corner, I highlight a quote from my favorite impact-making fictional heroine, Leslie Nope, from the NBC show Parks and Recreation. You can watch all seasons of Parks and Rec on Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. Today's Leslie Nope quote is from Season 3, Episode 8, entitled Camping, written by Aisha Muhar. The quote is, I just slept seven hours, which is twice as long as I usually sleep, so I'm a little disoriented. <laughs> oh, that always makes me laugh. Oh, boy. So I've mentioned this 
a few times before on the show. While there are a lot of great characteristics of Leslie Nope to emulate, her self-care really isn't one of those things. Do I wish I could survive and thrive and be a healthy human being on only three and a half hours of sleep? Of course I do. Absolutely. 100%. I know some people really love sleeping, and they love naps and they post about it on their Instagram. It's just not really my jam. I'm not into it. I mean, I have to do it, but if I could skip it, I totes would. But as it is, though, I really need seven hours a night at least, but I really do better with eight. And the thing is that even though it's not my favorite activity, I do put some real effort into my sleep time and into my sleep environment. I use a diffuser with lavender essential oil, or I've also used essential oil blends that are designed for sleep. I recommend that if you're able. Those things aren't that expensive, and I notice a difference when I use them. I also use multiple forms of white noise to block out my neighbor's dogs and loud vehicles, a box fan. You can get a rain white noise app on your phone. They've got white hours and hours worth of rain and white noise videos on YouTube that you can check out. And then also one of my goals for 2020 is to get some light blocking curtains for my room. The only thing I can't decide on is the color. That's really what's holding me back. So I'll make that decision. Oh, and then I also like to keep my place very nice and cool or Depending on who you are, you might consider it straight up cold. I like to keep it at 64 or 65 degrees at night, which is a great sleeping temperature, according to science and Melissa. But why am I talking about this? So I wanted to check in with you, kind of use this quote, yeah, to check in with you um, and ask, how have you been sleeping these days? At the time of this recording, we're in the midst of sheltering in place during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I've heard people talk about how they're just more tired than usual. I actually talked about this on my last podcast episode, the psychological science behind why that would be the case during a time of crisis and collective trauma and uh, the effect that those have on just zapping our energy. Uh, Maybe you're sleeping more or maybe you're sleeping less than usual, or maybe you're having some real weird dreams, which is a phenomenon I've heard numerous people mention. I have had some strange vivid dreams lately, including one about trying to find the car I drove in high school, which in dream logic I had stored in the garage of a kid I was briefly friends with in the summer of 1991. So you tell me, what's that about? I don't know. I just know that this whole issue is having uh, an impact on people's rest. And so I just wanted to discuss that on this show. And the thing is, maybe you're listening to this when the COVID-19 pandemic was a while ago. It's history. I look forward to that day. Um, but it really doesn't matter because sleep is just really a classic evergreen topic because we're always going to need it as long as we're alive. So I guess in a real departure from my personal norm in this very specific context, I'm going to go ahead and advise you to not be like Leslie, no. Do some research about sleep. Figure out what could help you feel more safe and comfortable as much as possible while you're falling asleep. Maybe see if there are some techniques you can use to improve your rest. Because how are you going to make your impact if you're just falling asleep all the time? If you're constantly tired, it'll be a lot harder, I would imagine. It's enormously important for you to get enough sleep when it comes to making your impact. So with that, let's wrap up this episode with your question of the up. 
And today's is, if you could study and get a degree in a topic related to the impact you want to make, what would it be? Or do you feel like you've already done that? So for me, if I could just magically go to school, someone's paying for it, and I could just go and study whatever I wanted, oh, wow. I mean, I would be in school forever. But practically, like a degree in graphic design or media production would be super helpful. Never would have guessed that earlier in life, but it's become such a big part of what I do in my job, making my impact both at Dragonfly and then with this other stuff that I'm doing for my business and the podcast. And it would be nice to have some more polished skills in those areas. But anyway, I'd love to hear your answer to this question and you can leave your answer and the podcast Instagram at Making Your Impact in the comments on the post for episode 39. On next week's episode, I'll be celebrating the one year anniversary of the Making Your Impact podcast. I can't even believe it, you guys. I love to have you there listening to celebrate with me. Until then, please subscribe to this podcast to get inspired and remember that the world needs you to make your impact. <laughs>